Welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC, and you're listening to Elder Law Issues, our more or less weekly podcast. And by our, I mean mine and Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, the other partner at Fleming and Curdy, who's here with me to talk about trusts, a topic oh, that we almost never touch on. <laughs> Good topic. <laughs> There are so many confusing and uh, and and complicated things about trusts, and I, I think you and I think that all the questions are kind of the answers are kind of obvious, and the questions are not that difficult, but they do they do befuddle people. And we actually have a really good email from a, a regular listener who happens to be a lawyer and says, you know, you should talk about a couple of things about how to title assets to trusts particularly real estate. So can we talk about transferring real estate to your trust for a few minutes? We absolutely can, Robert. And before we do, I would make a note here, the discussion we're having today really is about Arizona law. And I think it's important for people to note that we both practice here in Arizona. And so the best practices and what we discuss today as Arizona attorneys may be a little bit different if you live in another state. The other thing that I would say, Robert, is when I meet with people and we discuss what a trust is, how a trust might work, and whether someone or couple or a family may need a trust, those are critical questions and discussions to have before you get to the questions about how do I get stuff in my trust. Absolutely. And what I know is that if I start a conversation with somebody and the person comes in and that person says, I really want to trust, we start to talk about what a trust is and what that means, and the person cannot track the discussion and says, yeah, 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 yeah. I just, everybody said, that commercial said, you know, my dentist said, I need a trust. But I'm sitting across from a prospective client who may not understand what a trust is. I don't draft that person a trust. And so I think for our listeners today, what we're talking about, I would say, would be trust planning class 201. Right. This is post-trust. This assumes that a trust is the right answer. And probably in the individual facts of a particular case, one of the reasons the trust was the right answer was because they owned real estate, by which I don't mean to say everybody who owns real estate needs to have a trust, but it does increase the likelihood that a trust is appropriate. How do they transfer the real estate into the trust's name? And I think, Elizabeth, that that uh, people come from all over the country and really all over the world to Arizona, and they have different notions about title to, to real property. And, and, they, and they bring all of the experience and, and legal background they have from all those different places where the rules are different. And they often get fixated on a document that is the title to the trust, and they can't find it. They're desperate. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I've done with it. I've lost it. That's going to cost a fortune to fix. And they really need to understand that it's it's what's at the recorder's office that counts, isn't it? That's correct, Robert. And I think when we discuss with people how or whether to transfer real estate into a trust, a couple different ground kind of ground rules or, or fundamental questions come to mind immediately for me. First of all, when we're talking about property, where is that property located? How is it currently owned? Is there a mortgage? Are you just about to sell it? 
Is it intended to be used for commercial use? Is this property that you own with a spouse? These are all fundamental questions about real property that I have to know the answers to before I can make a recommendation to somebody about whether or how to transfer the piece of property into that person's trust. And I think that that a lot of times we see um, husband and wife or partners make guesses about how they own their property. Well, all I know is, is that when he dies, I'm going to get it. Yeah. Well, Or the other one, how, how is your title to your house held? Oh, the bank owns it. No, the bank doesn't own it. You own it. The bank just has a big whopping lien against it for the mortgage. Right. And so I think when we work with folks and start asking these questions, please understand that we need this information. We need to know that it's correct in order to make recommendations. So, Robert, on a very basic level, I will tell you that when I'm working with a married couple here in Arizona and we discussed how that couple holds their property, how that couple may own their property. There is a fundamental difference between owning a property as joint tenants with rights of survivorship and as community property with rights of survivorship. That's a question I need to know the answer to. And if what they've done is they have created a joint revocable trust and the property of the trust is intended to be community property, that's really, really important to know, particularly if we are not transferring an asset that is, to begin with, a community property asset into the trust. So, for instance, you own your own house, you marry, and uh, and you never get around to putting your new spouse's name on the, on the title to the house. Now you're creating a joint revocable trust. Do you just put it into the trust's name, thereby turning property that might be separate property into community property? or maybe turn it into community property, or do you try to keep it as separate property inside the trust? You're right, Elizabeth, these are complicated questions. And I think, Robert, the the questions that, as we start to ask people, we're not asking people these questions to frustrate them or to make it difficult. But what I want our clients, clients of the practice to know, Robert, is we are not a title company here at Fleming Crudy. Well, so let's talk about title companies and, and insurance more broadly. We often go immediately to, oh, we want to make sure your title insurance is current when you transfer assets to the trust. And I think that most of our clients don't think about title insurance. When they talk about insurance on their home, they're thinking homeowner's insurance. What happens if the house burns down? Title insurance is what happens if it turns out that your neighbor actually has has squatted on 10 feet of your property or uh, or your uh, your fence is 10 feet into their property those are the kinds of title ownership issues that come up uh, that are covered by title insurance or what about if you somehow got this piece of property from your great aunt Martha who won it over a poker game with the neighbor down the street 50 years ago in a handshake bet, oh, right. Have you actually looked to see if there's clear chain of title? Because all of a sudden, when there's not clear chain of title, having us just say, hey, no problem, let's do a special warranty deed and get it into your trust, that does not clean up the chain of title. So you just said a phrase that's critically important here, which is special warranty deed. And when we do transfers of Arizona real estate into a trust, 
we usually use a special warranty deed. The logic of that is whatever title insurance situation you had when you came in our office, we're trying to preserve that. We're not trying to fix the title problems. We're not going to do a search and determine that when your great aunt Martha got the property, the, the uh, deed was properly executed and, and legally uh, had the legal description correct and everything else. We're going to leave that for the title company that we hope you have insurance from by doing a special warranty deed. And the issue is not, is there some magic to the special warranty deed? Um, it is, what are the two choices we have? We could quit claim your property into the trust, or we could do a warranty deed or a special warranty deed. If we did a warranty deed, we're committing you individually to defend against all comers. If we do a quit claim deed, we're saying we're not gonna protect your interests at all. The special warranty deed is an intermediate position that says, okay, whatever title insurance circumstance I had, I want to pass that along to myself as trustee of my trust. Not very profound, but there's a lot of baggage, as is so often the case in the law, in a three-word phrase. I couldn't agree more, Robert. And so a lot of times when we're working with clients doing estate planning, doing trust planning, I will explicitly say, if we're moving ahead with a trust, there are going to be a few follow-up meetings. And we'll review the drafts with you, we'll make sure you feel 110% that you understand your trust and that you're comfortable with it before you sign it. And after you sign it, we're gonna have a couple more meetings because we're gonna talk about what you want to put in it. And it is not as simple as me filling out a form and passing it on to one of the wonderful legal assistants at Fleming and Curdy. What we're doing is practicing law and looking at the law in Arizona, thinking about you, the facts in your particular case and what and how we want to transfer things into your trust, when we want to transfer things into your trust. These are really important legal questions that you know, sometimes folks, Robert, they get to that signing appointment, they just want to put the pedal to the metal and be done. And be done. I totally get it. And I also understand that those folks who operate that way and don't want to then do the heavy lift to get things into their trust, th- those are the folks that end up dying and having to have a probate. I, you know, I said there were really just maybe three ways you can transfer the property, and I forgot and completely left out one other one that is somewhat unique to Arizona, and that is a beneficiary deed. So that we could create a deed that says, we don't transfer anything into the trust today, but if you die, if somebody records your death certificate, then it automatically becomes a trust asset. Not usually our favorite way. There are a handful of circumstances where that's the right way to do it, but they're relatively unusual. Uh, And why is that? Well, if it's in the trust and you become incapacitated, your successor trustee can manage it. If it only has a a beneficiary deed to the trust and you become incapacitated, we have to use your your durable financial power of attorney to manage the, the property. And that may be a more complicated or difficult thing to do. Why not just get it into the trust? What bad thing happens if you get it into the trust? Well, a lot of people think that means that they have to pay off their mortgage, and it does not. If it's a residential property, even frankly, if it's not your residence, if it is residential real estate, federal law says they can't make you pay off the loan when you transfer it to a trust. 
and in, in practice almost nobody tries to for any other kind of property either. Uh, and uh, some people say, well, uh, I don't want to make the transfer because I want to make sure it goes to my spouse. Well, that's what your trust says, is that everything stays there for the spouse, so that doesn't change. Here's the one circumstance where it sometimes makes more sense to do a, a beneficiary deed, and that is when you are getting uh, widow or widower's reductions in your, your property taxes because you are a widow or a widower and you have low income, that doesn't continue if it goes into your trust. So in those unusual cases where people who are low income and, and a surviving spouse, sometimes we choose the beneficiary deed. More often we want to get it transferred to the trust, usually by a special warranty deed. And Robert, I think that for people who are listening and scratching their heads today, thinking, why does something that should be easy have to be so difficult? Well, our job is to make it easy for you. And your job, if you want to work with Limiting Curity, is to provide us with the information we need to make a recommendation. And I think for folks who are coming to us trying to consolidate property, put things into a joint revocable trust, create community property, there are incredible tax benefits in a community property state when we think about making a piece of separate property community property. There are some really cool, interesting things to look at. This all takes time to talk about, and so please understand, if we slow down the conversation, it's not because we want to annoy you. It's just because we want to make sure that we're giving you meaningful advice that we're not going to turn around two or three weeks later or two years later and go, shoot, why did we say that? A lot goes into the discussion, and I think, Robert, that's one of the reasons why timing is important. If somebody's in the middle of a transaction, they're selling a piece of property. Well, I'm, I'm not going to all of a sudden start to start to futz with the title of that property. There's a lot that goes into the decision to change title to a piece of property. And for those who aren't familiar, futz is a, an important legal word. Uh, technical term. Technical term, correct. I think that's probably enough about title insurance and trusts. Um, this, except I guess I want to circle back around to where you started. The question came from another lawyer, as I indicated. It happens to be a lawyer who is not in Arizona. Um, and I don't think he was asking for us to tell him what to do. He was saying, hey, this is a big issue for my clients, and would you talk about it a little bit? And I want to reiterate what you said, Elizabeth. This is Arizona law and, for that matter, Arizona practice that we're talking about. And uh, and while it might be similar in the state of the, the lawyer who asks, it might not either. So um, be very careful about accepting everything we say as gospel if you are not holding title to Arizona real estate. Even then, gospel might be a strong term. And please send us your questions. We like that. Yeah, it's lovely to see what, what people think about. Actually, the same guy tells us a mistake we made. Uh, well, I'm not sure it's a mistake, but we're going to talk about that in another podcast. So until then, this is Robert Fleming. You've been listening to me and Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We're partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. We do this weekly podcast that we call Grandly Elder Law Issues. And we really kind of hope that you will keep listening and keep telling us your questions. Thanks. Bye.